Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, who takes our flesh with him into heaven, where he sits at God's right hand with all authority as all of heaven welcomes the return of his, its victorious King. May the Holy Spirit fill our hearts and minds to overflowing with praise and thanksgiving as he shares with us the spoils of his victory now and for all eternity. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ is ascended. That still sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Christ is born, that we get. Christ is risen, yes, alleluia. But Christ is ascended. It just doesn't seem to be on the same level as those first two. For how many people come to church on Christmas and Easter, right? That's, that's when everybody comes to church. But how many come to Ascension service? It's not even close. It just doesn't seem as important, does it? So why bother? Why celebrate Jesus' leaving? Yeah, maybe that's it. You know, at Christmas, uh, Advent, Jesus comes to us. At Easter, Jesus rises from the dead and comes back to us. Because Jesus lives, we live. But at Ascension, Jesus is leaving. Or so it seems. And why would we celebrate that? Well, for one, the disciples did. We heard that at the end of the gospel that after Jesus ascended, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And notice that. Notice that it wasn't just any joy, but a great joy. Or as the Greek literally says, mega joy. It's the kind of joy that we have at Christmas and Easter. So there must be something to this festival of the Ascension after all. Something worth celebrating. But what is it? Why are we so confused about it? I think the confusion comes from the fact that while the ascension of Jesus seems like a leaving, it's rather another coming. A coming like at Christmas and Easter. And if we can learn to think of it that way, we won't be so confused about it and about its meaning. And we'll know the disciples' joy and understand that this day really is a day worth celebrating. Jesus' ascension is about him coming to us personally 24-7 for all eternity as our victorious Lord and Savior. So how is Jesus' ascension really a coming to us? Well, take note of how, how the ascension is described for us in our reading from Acts. It says that when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. It's important that those words don't say Jesus is gone, only that he is now out of their sight. And he's out of their sight because of a cloud. And now clouds in the Bible usually aren't rain clouds, but rather presence of God clouds. A cloud leads the people, people of Israel through the wilderness. A cloud fills the tabernacle when God comes to speak with Moses. A cloud descends upon the Mount of Transfiguration when the voice of God speaks. And now a cloud hides Jesus from the sight of the disciples at the ascension. Now is that a coincidence? I don't think so. Rather, Jesus is ascending into the presence of God to the right hand of the Father, which is not a place, but rather a power. So sorry to all you left-handers out there, but the right hand is the doing hand, the power hand. And Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father now to do his power, to do his work in all the world. 
that is both God and man, he now comes to all men in all places in all times, and he comes with forgiveness, with his life, and with salvation in every pulpit, every font, every altar. For these are the places where he has promised to be, where he has promised to come to us today. Now that can be a little confusing because we usually think of God and Jesus, his God, as being omnipresent or present everywhere. So why do we need him to come to us in pulpits, fonts, or in altars? In other words, in his word and sacraments. Well, I think a good way of looking at it is this way. Look at water. Water is found everywhere. It's in the air, especially when we have high humidity. Water is in the clouds. It's underground. But all that water does us no good because we can't drink it. To be a benefit to us, water has to come to us in a place, in a way which we can get it, in a well or from a faucet, and then we can drink it. Then we can wash in it and with it, and it gives us life, and without it we die. The same thing is true with Jesus. He is indeed omnipresent as God, but so that he might come to us as the God-man with his gifts, he ascends. So that he might come to all people of all time and places in ways that we can receive him. And so it's through the preaching and the sacraments that Jesus now comes forth to us personally and is present where you can now see him, hear him, and touch him where you can drink deeply of his gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation, where you receive his life. That's also why when Jesus ascends, he commissions his disciples to go and do these things, to preach and to give the sacraments. Their mouths and hands would be the faucets through which Jesus now comes to us. In America, in Europe, in Africa, Australia, the Middle East, Asia, everywhere, every time and place, all at the same time thus fulfilling his promise in the Great Commission to be with us always. Not like the water in the air, but like the water we drink, the living water that gives us everlasting life. That's the first way that Jesus ascends in order to come to us. And the second is that Jesus ascends in order that the Holy Spirit may now be sent and also come to us. And that would happen ten days after his ascension at Pentecost. As if Jesus coming to us with his gifts weren't enough, he also sends us the helper, his Holy Spirit, to be with us always. But this is not really two separate comings, but one and the same coming. For where Jesus is, there is the Spirit. And where the Spirit is, there is Jesus. It's not as if we can receive Jesus apart from the Spirit or the Spirit apart from Jesus. The Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And Jesus never gives you part of himself, but always all of himself. In his Christmas coming, his Easter coming, and now in his Ascension coming, Jesus gives you all that he is and all that he has, that you may be his own, that he may sanctify you and keep you until he comes again for you, either when you die or when he comes again in glory. And so this really is a day of great joy, for this too is a day of Jesus' coming, which is what Luke wants us to understand in his own unique way. For in describing Jesus' ascension, he writes that Jesus led the disciples as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them, and then he ascends. But it never says he puts his hands down. He never finishes blessing. His hands are extended the whole time, and they still are. For now ascended, Jesus is still extending his hands and his blessing, still giving, still feeding, still washing, still forgiving personally for you. And he isn't going to stop. 
He isn't done, which is good because you still need him 24-7. You need all that he has to give. And so for you, he ascends, so that for you he may come. So that he may come to you even now with forgiveness for your sin, with strength for your weakness, with faith for your fear, for healing grace in your time of need, with life for your death. No matter who you are or where you are or what you're facing, he comes for you. He comes to you. He comes to bring you exactly what you need for body and soul. Even now, he comes with his grace, his love and caring until the day he comes on the last day in all his glory. And so don't be confused. Don't be deceived just as the angels brought the good news of Jesus' birth and the angels announced the good news of Jesus' resurrection. So too the angels proclaimed the joyous news of Jesus' ascension. And so rejoice with the disciples. Sing the great hymns of the Ascension. Serve as witnesses of this good news to all the world. A world that needs Jesus to come to them. And cry out with great joy, Christ is ascended. He is ascended indeed. Amen.